You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our lines. I call out to these people who have gone before us and who met the challenges of their day, of their time, who were the living of their time and in that time found ways to innovate and to create and to carry forward that which was right and true from those who had gone before them. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here, to gather round, to help us, to guide us true in this time when we are the living, when we are the ones who are called to the earth at this time to do what must be done. And for the presence of these ancestors around us in their many forms, I give great gratitude. And as humans, let us always remember that our ancestors are not only human from an ancestral, from a shamanic perspective. But I call out to those ancestors who are of the physical world, of the plant world, of the animal world, of the elemental world, and all the way back to a time in the evolution um, of life as we know it before there were even planets. So we reach all the way back to the beginning, to those oldest and most ancient ancestors, and ask them all to be with us at this time, that we might understand ourselves not as simple, uh, dramatic, personal individuals, but as part of a much greater song, part of a much greater story. So I call out to these ancestors in their many, many forms to be with us here today to remember who we truly are. And with the ancestors gather round, let us focus our awareness into our head and from our head to our heart and from our heart to our belly and from our bellies. Let us reach down and touch the very center of the earth and reach down to the very center of the earth and take a moment there to give great, great gratitude for all that has been in our life that has brought us to this moment, for all that is and all that will be. We give great rich thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. We give thanks to the energy of the earth for the compassion in the dream that allows us to change and to heal, to transform. And we give thanks to the earth for the simple, true miracle of life. We take a moment, just a moment in this day to be in awe. And commit ourselves again to bringing that miracle into manifestation in the world in a good way. So with great, great gratitude to the earth, we take a moment and to connect with the essence of this energy, the stillness, the darkness, the quiet, the peace. 
We connect in to this energy and draw from this rich, rich pool of energy up into ourselves, drawing all the way up through the layers of the earth, up into our body, drawing up these energies that bring with them the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form on this planet in a good way. And we draw this energy of the earth up and we ask it to help us to be grounded to help us to be grounded and connected to our bodies, to our place, to our day. We ask that these energies help us to create a sense of home for ourselves, no matter our circumstances, and a sense of hearth and a sense in all of that, that our table is open to the other, that we might learn from the other who it is that we were really meant to be. So let us draw the energy of the earth even deeper in that we might come to understand what it means to truly and intimately connect, to connect with ourselves, to connect with others, to connect with our environment, and to connect with the invisible world. And we ask this energy of the earth to help us to understand this connection and interconnection so thoroughly that we can feel ourselves woven into this great web of life, that we can feel ourselves as part of the great oneness. And from this energy, let us come into right relationship with ourself, with our gifts, and with the day. And so with the energy of the earth within us and our gratitude extended down in this reciprocal relationship, let us send our energy up from belly to heart and heart to mind and all the way up and out and out through the sky and all the way out to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know that energy, name it. See yourself reflected in it and it reflected in you and draw this energy down, drawing the energies from the sky, drawing the energies from above down. Down into your head, down into your day, down into these proceedings and bringing with this energy all the wisdom of the cosmos. And in that we draw in the energy of blessing, the profound energy of blessing for this day. We draw in the energy of protection. We draw in the energy of generosity and benevolence and the devotion and commitment to that which matters, that which is right and true. We draw down the energy from above that we might feel this great inspiration and illumination of those moments when we are lost. So we call these energies in. We draw them from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and send them all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we allow ourselves to be the connection between heaven and earth, above and below, yin and yang. And we allow these two great lovers to come together within ourselves, infusing us with this big love. And we invite that big love to awaken our hearts, to call the spirit of the hearth out, heart out, that it can be the true crucible that it is. And we ask the spirit of the heart to call up the fiery passions of our belly that carry deep within their mysteries why we are here and call down the crystal clarity of the mind that carry within the innovation and creativity of how we will do what we have come here to do. We draw these energies together in a great passionate dance here in the heart in a way that each offers what it is that they have to give that is unique. And neither, of course, destroys the other, but they egg each other on to their own unique brilliance. And in the brilliance of that dance, that third energy is born, that energy that is your growing knowledge, 
of your soul's purpose, of your gifts that you have to bring to the world. And as your sense, your memory of this awakens, may you find in your human heart the courage that you need to do something, large or small, to bring your gifts out into the world. So for the spirits gathered around us here today, we give great thanks. Above, below, and within, we give thanks for all the help that is here for us. And I personally give thanks to you, to Cherie, to Maria, to Last Mass Community, to Lydia, to John, and those of you that have donated to the show financially. I give thanks to all of you, for without your donations, the show would not be on the air. And if it wasn't on the air, all of those many people that aren't able to give financially at this time but are finding um, guidance and help in the show would not have access to it. So we as a larger community, a community that wraps all the way around the globe, are helping each other in whatever ways we can to uh, keep the show alive by paying the bills, to sending in questions, sending in show ideas, to sharing the show, linking with others. Um, you can comment on the Facebook page. I have the comments off on the website because of too much spam, but I'm happy to engage in comments about the show on the Facebook page. Um, for those of you that haven't found that the show has its own website, it's at whyshamanismnow.com. Those of you that download through iTunes, the show has its own website. If you go to the website, you can go to donate. You can leave any amount, large or small. All of it is um, deeply appreciated. It all goes to keeping the show on the air. That This is not a show that expects to have people offering $5,000 donations. This is not about advertising or marketing. This is about understanding that when we are moved in the heart, we need to let that motivation move us into action. And even a small donation, um, you know, a thousand of you offering $5 is that $5,000. And this pays the bills, keeps the show on the air. And we're very, very grateful for the way that this is working in its own humble way here in the world. So thank you all. And we want to give thanks as we begin a new year here with our producer, CoCreatorNetwork.com. So thank you, Ken. And so here we are, live in the new year. Um, any questions about today's topic um, are welcome. You can call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Or you can email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org. Um, and our, our show here today... Well, I really couldn't find the right title for the show, I have to admit, um, even though I've been thinking about it for quite a long time. But we're talking today about gifts. And I don't mean this uh, in a sense of gifting. I mean this in terms of what did you bring into this lifetime that you've spent many lifetimes getting online. You've spent many lifetimes cultivating these gifts and you're here in this life to finally have an opportunity to use them to make something happen here in the world with their gifts. So this is the topic of today. Why does that matter? And why is it that so many people will run the other way from their gifts? So every individual has gifts to bring to the world. And so why do all of these bland religious sites come up when you Google bringing your gifts to the world? 
it's not that religious sites need to be bland. They're not all bland. But when you Google this, they're sort of particularly bland. Um, and then the sites become even less interesting if you Google, why am I here? So this is one of the most interesting questions of our life. Why am I here? Uh, so why isn't there an internet bursting with color and images and ideas and a celebration of our gifts and of finding our gifts? Why isn't that there when you Google those questions? It's not that that stuff isn't out there on the internet as well. So, so this is part of what was part of my point in the cosmology show last month, um, that what we believe about why we are here matters. And so what I love about engaging with shamanic cultures is that, is that there is so little drama or angst. There's no anxiety or depression about not having a purpose. There is simply a knowing that we are all here because we have gifts to bring to the world, period. It's just the fundamental belief of why humans are populating the earth. And that knowing comes simply from the teachings of their cosmology. So that's their explanation of why we're here. And it comes out of the same cosmology that tells them where they came from and where they're going. So bringing our gifts to the world matters because we are each a unique expression of the divine and that the universe as it is ex expanding, as, it, as the dream is unfolding and dreaming itself, um, the divine is coming to know itself. So saying it that way is different, that you are a face of the divine and the divine is coming to know itself. And if you don't live your life, your unique expression then the divine will never know itself in that way. So this is a, makes it a profound responsibility, but it also makes it really exciting that what you're doing matters in a way that will matter for all time. I mean, it's a little bit of pressure too, but still it's exciting, right? And that's a very different way to say it than to say that we're here to honor God's glory. They mean the same thing. But they inspire us differently. And this is very much, what I'm trying to say here is very much like this um, little piece going around Facebook right now about the blind man who is asking for change. And his little sign um, isn't really working. And a stranger changes his sign. And the sign simply says, it's a beautiful day and I can't see it. And people start throwing money at him literally. Now, I'm not sure whether it's a real thing or whether it was staged and filmed or what. I don't know. But the point is the message is exactly the same. But how it's conveyed is different. And how it's conveyed touches people in a different way and motivates a different kind of action. And that's what's really important for us to understand about story. Not only because because it, it affects the stories we consume, but because it should affect the stories that we tell ourselves. So, each individual has a gift to bring to the world. And though many contemporary people will live their lives running precisely away from those gifts, every individual still has those gifts. We also have gifts to gain in this life. Though we need to truly give ourselves to this life if we are to gain them. They don't come free. And they don't necessarily come easily. Shamanism offers us both an attitude from which to view life. 
that aligns with these ideas about gifts and why we're here, what we bring and what we are here to gain in this lifetime. What I also like about shamanism, though, is that it isn't really a belief system. It's really a set of skills that then allow us to engage in a way that our gifts can be given to a world that is in need. So cross-culturally, shamanism tells us that first, there are these gifts that we bring into the life. As I said earlier, they are the, the sum total of all the other lifetimes um, of our, our immortal soul has um, moved through. And so shamanism then also offers us the skills that allow us to use those gifts. And then if we notice how our passions rise or fall in the different ways that we use our gifts, then the use of our gifts can begin to align us with our true calling or with our true passions, our purpose. And then as that's happening, we begin to live in a way that we can begin to access the gifts, gifts that are here for us to gain if we engage with spirit and live in an ongoing working relationship with spirit by whatever way we understand spirit. So the issue is not, do you or do you not have gifts? The issue is not, do you or do you not have a purpose? And the issue is not, are you or are you not a face of the divine? That's not the issue. That's not the debate. That's not the conversation. The issue is that what you choose to believe matters. The challenge here in life is very simple. You have to decide what is true for you based on what world you want to live in. There's no evidence, there's no fact around these kinds of questions. These are simply things you have to be willing to choose and then live for. So right now, my favorite client isn't actually one of mine. (laughs) It's actually one of my husband's. And... um, so this, this uh, kid's story is that as a young teenager, well, his, his sort of teenage life sort of lapped over into his young adult life. And so he basically sat on the couch, smoked too much pot, was overweight, was on antidepressants, had been since he was a young man, I mean a, a teenager. He was pretty much addicted to playing video games and um, pretty uh, depressing outlook on life. And then... At some point, for some reason, because at this point he was not a client yet, he got off the couch and he ended up, one thing led to another and eventually ended up coming to my husband for acupuncture. Now, by the time he came here uh, for help, he was a skinny young man in his 20s who rode his bike everywhere. And he had some sort of crazy ideas about nutrition, but at least he had ideas about nutrition. Right. And so as he worked with my husband, he listened to some things that Richard had to say. And he didn't listen to others. I mean, he is 20 after all. He's got to find his own way. But in all of this began to emerge his his uh, kind of confession that his real dream at this time in his 20-something life was to become a bike messenger. 
And in in Portland, you know, being a bike messenger is kind of like being part of a secret cabal. I mean, it's very cool and it's really hard to get in and it's sort of a closed society and they all hang out at Stumptown Coffee and, you know, drink espresso and ride their bikes all over the place, which is not necessarily, I mean, it's not quite like being a bike messenger in San Francisco in terms of the hill, but it is not without altitude, right? And so it's, it's challenging. So anyway, um, so Eventually, uh, holidays happen, clients tend to fall away, and eventually this young man came back just just after the holidays um, for a little tune-up and um, delivered to us the message that he had finally gotten a job as a bike messenger. And so right now, this guy is my favorite client. Why? He's my favorite client because he got himself off the couch, not because he had a clear vision, At that time, he didn't even know what a bike messenger was, frankly. He didn't even hardly have a bike, right? So he didn't get off the couch because he suddenly had a clear vision. He didn't have passion. He didn't know what his gifts were. And he didn't know any of that. He got off the couch because he decided that there had to be more to his life, period. No clarity, no anything, just not this This cannot be all. So he decided to believe in a new reality, a very different reality. And I don't know why he did or what caused that. All I know is he changed his mind. So he got off the couch. He got off the pot for the most part. He got off the meds eventually, completely. He got off being depressed. Gee, I wonder how that happened. Well, could have had something to do with the diet and too many video games on the couch. But anyway, off the depression, basically off the video game addictions, off a life of simple carbs, off mom and dad's handouts. He got a job. He got a bike. And he got energized to be alive, all based on his choice. He simply decided they had a reason for being here. Didn't know what it was. But he just decided that that was the world that he wanted to live in. And he's still totally clueless today. I mean, he's a bike messenger now, but he's clueless, right? He's, he just decided that there had to be more. And he took the steps day after day to change the entire fabric of his young life. He took the steps. He didn't come to us and say, okay, I'm ready. I'm really ready now. Get me off the couch, right? When you get your own butt off the couch, then you are beginning to be ready, but not before. So yesterday, I saw him sucking down espresso with the other bike messengers in downtown Portland, wearing all black and living his young dream. And that is why he is my favorite client, because he did it all in a decade. It's beautiful. Will he have other dreams? Will he be a bike messenger his whole life? Probably not. Of course not. You can't, right? But the point is, he is my favorite client right now. Because he got his own butt off the couch by changing his mind. He didn't come and ask anybody to do that part for him. He changed his mind because the life his mind first created with what his culture had handed him was unacceptable. So he changed his mind, decided there had to be more, and he changed his life to align with that new reality. Because the life his mind first created 
with what his culture had handed him was unacceptable. So he made a new choice. The fact that we are a face of the divine is amazingly cool. It is unbelievably exciting. So why do so many choose to be bored, distracted, or depressed, or obsessed? It's not a medical condition. None of those things are. They are a con- that, the re- that result is a complex set of choices that you made for very good reasons at a time that together have created a reality that is now acceptable. And not only is it unacceptable, it's not real. It's just a story you've decided to believe in and you've accepted the fallout of that story. What I love about the client who's a bike messenger now is he decided I don't accept the fallout of this story. I don't accept this as the only possible reality. I'm going to find something different because I can't do this for the rest of my life. So we have gifts and you cannot, we cannot be afraid to use them. We can't afford that. We must use them because we will not even begin to tap the gifts that are here for us to gain in this lifetime until we do. So this is a piece of understanding all of this that was deeply clarified in the time that I worked with Maladoma Somme and engaged with that particular cosmology. And in that cosmology, it's very, very uh, strongly rooted in the fact that we all come in to this life with gifts and, they, they, and that they are an expression of this totality of our immortal soul's journey through lifetimes and the, that those gifts are called for by the time that we are in. So there is a relationship between the time that you come and the giving of your gifts. So it's our responsibility to the best of our ability to give our gifts. And one of the really adorable things I did find as I was kind of Googling around about this the other day preparing for the show is there's a wonderful um, children's book that's been written about a kid asking his grandpa, why is he here? And the grandpa gives him a, a reasonably decent idea they come around to in the book about he's here to be, I don't know, the kid's name is Joe or something like that. He's here to be the best possible Joe that he can be. Not a bad answer for a kid, but not quite as good as adding to that the uniqueness of Joe and that Joe has gifts to bring. But it's a good start. It's better than the rest of what I found out there. So anyway, the point of our gifts is we can't be afraid to use them and we must use them because we won't even begin to tap the gifts that are here for us to gain until we do. So there's a lot about, there's a lot of angst around Gaining my gifts, using my gifts, what are my gifts, finding my gifts. And what people don't realize is in that they're really talking about the gifts that are here for them to gain. And the thing is you can't access those until you begin to use the gifts you have, the ones you've come up, come in with. And there is an aspect of that. I mean, we, as contemporary people, we come by this honestly because we don't have anyone telling us teaching stories that help us understand the sequence of things. 
But this is what I came to understand through working with Maladoma is there is a sequence and one builds on the next and that we are not the kind of person that can grasp and conceive of this sort of level two until we're actually engaged in level one. And so level one is use what you brought. Use the gifts you came in with. And as you do that, you become the person who can then easily be guided to and begin to tap those gifts that are the possibility of what you can cultivate in this lifetime. So the other thing that Maladoma's work taught me is that we all have helping spirits. Well, I already knew that part. Helping spirits and ancestral spirits, though, that if we live life in a way that we're in a working relationship with them, then they will guide us towards the life events or the life journeys or the, the ways of understanding things that precipitate or quicken our ability to bring in these gifts that we're here to pick up. So it's our responsibility also to pick up these gifts, to cultivate them and to give them to the best of our ability. And that one of the things that Maladoma also really talks about is that we each owe to a cosmic order. You know, we owe to the divine. We are here to be a face of the divine. We need to live that, that that is our responsibility to bring our gifts, to gain our gifts, to use them to express our uniqueness so the divine knows itself through that one of a gajillion facets of what it is and that this is why we are here and that there is no need to quibble about why am I here? What's my purpose? What are my gifts? Just get on with it. Begin with the gifts you came into the world with. And here's the really, really exciting part of all of this. When we are engaging in our gifts, those that we came in with and those that we gather, we begin to truly live our soul's purpose and begin to express our greatest passions without worrying about it. We become a blessing in how we have chosen to live. We can stop trying. We can stop worrying and fretting and having angst. We are just being the blessing that we have come into this world to be. We must each take responsibility for the powers we brought into this lifetime. This was a recent post by a colleague, and it, was, it is so powerfully true. And um, I see this challenge in my own practice daily. Um, and the, that the majority of the problems that are being presented to me by my clients are a result of that individual not taking responsibility for the powers or the gifts that they brought into this life. Now, I'm also including myself in this. It was important for me also to be reminded and to ask myself, am I taking responsibility for the powers that I, I have brought into this life? And so this is, this is what this show is really about, is that we must take responsibility for the powers we have brought into this life. If you came into this life with exquisite sensitivity, then you must learn to have exquisite boundaries and a clear sense of what is yours and what is others if you are going to use this gift of exquisite sensitivity. If you came into this life with great groundedness, and a sense of always knowing where you are, then you must find ways that you love to stir your energy and lift your heart every day so that your gifts of peace and stability are not lost in stagnation and suffocation and depression. 
If you came into this life with a powerful gift of weaving the story, whether you share that gift through making films, through making music, through writing, through art, or simply through the stories you tell your children at night before they go to sleep, then you have absolutely no luxury to be telling yourself self-denying or self-abandoning stories. Your power is too great to sink yourself in lies and false stories from the inner critic and negative inner talk. So if you've come into this life with an open desire to be one with all things, to connect and to merge selflessly into the oneness, then you must understand just as openly and desire just as passionately your own inner connection and take responsibility to become you first before merging. That desire to merge cannot be an escape. You must be the best you you can be before you connect and merge with the oneness. And so many people imagine that as not wanting to have any boundaries, any, anything between me and the oneness. And they don't understand that just like a cell in the body, if my cells, if your cells, if our cells didn't have cell walls, then everything inside the cell would be perceived of by the body as waste. If a cell wall bursts, everything in that cell is now waste. If our cells didn't have walls, intelligent walls that know what to take in and what to keep out, what to keep in, what to let out. If our cell walls, if our cells didn't have cell walls, there'd be no distinction between a blood cell and a spleen and a bone and a muscle. Right? So cell walls are critical for life. And you need to understand that if your desire is to merge with all things, that you must become you and have your cell wall to be that you're one little little micro being in the great being. You're one little face in the face of the divine. You can't be that face if you're not being. You need to be you. And so all of these gifts that we come in with and these, these great capacities we bring must be respected. We must take responsibility for the powers we have brought into our life and live accordingly so that our gifts can emerge and be given to the world. So how do we take responsibility for the powers that we brought into this lifetime? So this project, in my mind, this project always begins for everybody, no matter what the bigger picture is, the project of how do you begin to take responsibility for the powers you brought into this lifetime and live your gifts. Right? This always begins with step one, stop working your own nerves. <laughs> so, and this is what I mean by this in the context of today's show. So this is a really common thing that I hear from people that come for a shamanic healing session. They come and I ask what their basically their presenting issues are at the time, what needs to change in themselves or in their life. And some people are really direct and other people go into this. 
It's this whole story about how they got raised as a kid somewhere where they could be out with nature or in some way that they were connected with spirit. And then one thing that led to another, they lost their connection with spirit and then they lost their connection with their intuition. And then they went through a period of time of being lost, which sometimes does and sometimes doesn't involve addiction and alcoholism and things like that. And eventually they reconnected with that special self and rescued themselves from that sort of going to sleep time, usually in their teens, 20s, and 30s. And they wake up, but this connection with spirit comes and goes, and there's these weird things that are happening, and and this is happening, and it's so intense, and it's so profound, but I can't keep the connection, and yada, yada, yada. It's real typical. Okay, so now in that is soul loss. In that is probably some energies need to be cleansed and extracted. So in that is some need for shamanic healing, which is a totally valid request. But in that need for shamanic healing, that totally valid request for shamanic healing is also this aspect, the person hasn't gotten off the couch yet. And, and this is the couch that I'm talking about in this particular example, which is as a child, you knew there was a truth here. You knew that all was one. You knew you felt good connected with nature. You knew you had spirit help and you knew you could trust your intuition. This is part of what these people are saying. And then everything went to hell in a handbasket. Well, the important thing about the adult who's now sitting in my studio sharing this story is the adult has now spent decades in the handbasket. That you gave up on what you knew was true as a child and you bought this bad bill of goods from your culture. No, that's fair. That's what we got taught was real. But once you're an adult, you do not have to choose to continue to believe that, especially if it's not working for you. Just like my first story about the bike messenger, get off the couch. Stop believing the version of reality that doesn't work for you. Stop working your own nerves. And so what's happening with people in that state is not just a need for shamanic healing. Yes, it's in there. But the bigger need is step out of the version of reality you know for a fact after decades of your adult life doesn't work for you. Reconnect with a version of reality that rings true for you, that aligns with a deeper truth with your intuition, and ultimately makes you feel connected to those other energies you know are present. So that's the first piece. Stop working your own nerves by trying to live in both those stories. Because one is simply a bad story. It doesn't work. It's not sustainable. It doesn't bring us to health and well-being. So your job then is to ground yourself in a story that's going to work for you, one that rings true, one that aligns with your truth cord, one that tends to um, enhance and amplify your intuition, not shut it down, and one that tends to enhance and amplify your relationship, your connection with um, non-physical spirit help that you have, so you can begin to have that working relationship. This is not complicated, and I don't know why people thrash so much around this. Why are you so committed to carrying around a story that doesn't work for you and spending decade after decade after decade proving to yourself that it doesn't work for you? 
right? So honor what you know to be true consistently through your life, whether or not anyone else believes you, regardless of who it upsets. I mean, if I had cared what every man I ever slept with thought about me and worried about how to make those relationships that really didn't fit fit and bent myself into a pretzel changing what I knew was true to accommodate these other people, I would now be divorced 47 times at least. Stop worrying about other people when you haven't yet even taken care of yourself. Care for what is right and true for you. Care for the cultivation of your truth court. Care for what it is that you can truly believe in. And ignore the rest. Align yourself first. Get yourself off the couch. Then you're beginning to be ready. So then what? So then you're going to need a skill set and a corresponding belief system to support this growing truth. So now for my money, obviously, I'm biased for shamanism because it's sort of universally useful because it's universally in all of our ancestral pools of awareness. It works cross-culturally and it's kind of an all-purpose skill set. It doesn't um, require like Qigong, years of training, doesn't require a whole lot of faith. It either works or it doesn't. And for me, that's a beautiful thing. But most importantly, what I like about the system, shamanic systems, is they're not mental systems. They're skills you use and they engage. If, you, if practiced well, they engage your whole being, emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually, versus um, a belief system that exists primarily and engaged with and is engaged with primarily through the mind. Okay, so people get themselves off the couch. They're trying to take responsibility for the powers that they brought in the world. And let's say people come into shamanism for that. So when people come into shamanism, because it feels like home, which is often why people end up landing there, is um, they come there because they want to understand their gifts and to use them. And when that happens, one of two things usually happens as a result of that. Well, actually, there's three But we're going to ignore the third, which is people that take classes and then hang up a shingle to be a shaman because they're sure that's their gift simply because being in that world felt so comfortable. And anyway, we're not even going to talk about that because it's not even interesting. The two things that are interesting is how as people come into shamanism, learn to journey, begin to work with their helping spirits, they either get too much of a good thing or too little of a good thing, which to me is kind of fascinating. So I'm going to shift metaphors here for just a moment and talk about plants. Okay, right now in my little gardens, I got some plants wintering over. Now, last summer, these particular plants that are wintering over now were totally out of control, completely, ridiculously overabundant. Now, some of them are herbs, so I guess you can kind of expect that because they're kind of basically weeds, but not all of them. And in their abundance, they literally overshadowed what we wanted to grow to eat so you know picture it you only need so much rosemary you know no matter how many roasted potatoes you make you only need so much rosemary but you want to have these little baby lettuces all summer long right and so instead these poor lettuces 
had to fight for the light with these rosemary monsters and the salvia jungle and all of these little lettuces that should have been little bunches of yumminess growing close to the ground were these scraggly leggy weeds that had very little leaves to eat and were all stem as they tried to reach for the sunlight. So what's my point? Right. So my point is lots of growth, no discernment, largely on my part and my own ignorance around plants and gardens. But anyway, this is exactly like when a lot of people come into shamanism, that people don't necessarily get what they're really after because it's so fascinating and there's so much to do and it's so abundant and it's so big and it's so limitless. And so for most people, when they first engage with spirit directly and on purpose through their journeying, they get lots of growth and lots of transformation. It's unbelievably interesting. But eventually some of them remember, hmm, right, my gifts, my soul's purpose. Now, why was I doing all of this? And, and they're lost in the wonder and the abundance, but nonetheless lost. So how do you rein in too much of a good thing? So the first would be to begin to explore cosmologies until you find a home. And because the cosmology gives your quest boundaries that are large enough to give you the freedom to journey wherever you need to and explore but create a boundary out there that keeps you from going beyond that realm of interesting, engaging, and transforming into further out on that branch where people begin to waste their time and humanity can cycle around and has been wasting its time out there for hundreds and thousands of years. And that's what a cosmology does is it, is it helps to create this sphere of engagement that is of value and outside of that is humans wasting their time. Okay. And so I want to share an example of what I'm talking about from a listener who is an excellent practitioner and a very good man who is committed to exploring what it means to bring his gifts to the world because that's the context that we're talking about today. So he has a given name by spirit and then what that name means is weaver of medicine and magics from the loose threads that are left into a strong cloth. And so with that name that he was given, he says that he's tried to live that name, that he learned Native American cosmologies to be able to speak to the spirits of the land on which he lived, that he learned paganism to honor his ancestors, and he learned um, Naingma Buddhism because it came to him once he was engaged in being on this path. And he says he's heard often that one must follow one path, but I can't do that, that it would dishonor my true self. And so this is what I'm talking about, that he is engaged and learning and has found his cosmology by weaving the loose threads, just like his name, that are left here into a strong cloth for himself. And that he stepped beyond accepting this notion that an upper world, middle world, and lower world is actually a cosmology. He's gone beyond that. And when I am with him, I feel a man whose powers and gifts are held and focused through the cosmology that he, he calls home. And so this is, this is the value of the cosmology is it focuses us. It keeps us out of this realm where people just get lost in the abundance, lost in the jungle. It's totally cool. It's amazing. It's beautiful. But there's nothing happening there. It is not growing corn. So the second piece of reining your too much of a good thing in is your practice. 
with spirit? Are you actually doing what you are working on with spirit? Are you choosing not to do too much, not to do too many different things? Are you choosing to go in too many different directions? Yes, that workshop sounds really fun. Gee, it all does. But what of your soul's purpose? What of your gifts? What of your practice with spirit is really about you finding your gifts and bringing them to the world? It doesn't really help to take every interesting workshop offered out there about shamanism. What helps is to begin systematically and consistently to work with your helping spirits about your gifts and bringing them to the world. So the third piece about reining this in is your own inner work, your own personal practice. And it is a false notion, a very false notion of contemporary shamanic wishful thinking people here, particularly in the U.S., uh, who have been spoon-fed the live separation, a diet of Coke and simple carbs, and stories that are endless codependent dramas that never come near the archetypal tales of true stories. So it is a false notion of this culture that we current people journeying and working with spirit do not also need a rigorous personal practice yes we need a practice we need a personal practice to rigorously attend to the sneaky insipid fear-based control of the false self that our culture has so generously encouraged us to cultivate what arises in your personal practice will help to focus your shamanic work ask Often, what question should I be asking? Or ask often, why am I lying to myself? So these three things can help you begin to focus an overly abundant, going off in too many directions, way too much fun shamanic practice into a very focused particular kind of fun. So now what if the opposite is happening? What if you're trying to journey, you're trying to do your altar practice, you're trying to do everything your teachers taught you, but it just is not happening. Nothing is growing in your little garden. So what if you are not getting enough of a good thing? So back to our plant metaphor. So what's happening is you're planting seeds, but perhaps they are falling on infertile ground. So one thing to explore with your helping spirits is what makes the ground infertile. What beliefs do you carry that you don't even know where you carry anymore that are contrary, perhaps, to your relationship with helping spirits? Do you trust it? Uh, Is it an expression of the divine? Um, How about your oneness with all things? Like somewhere, somehow, there may be beliefs that make the ground infertile. Perhaps the seeds you are trying to plant are not capable of germination. Maybe your call to shamanism is authentic for you but the place you found to study or to grow is not doesn't even mean it's not a good place it just means the teachings aren't right for you so maybe the seeds are not germinating for you another possibility is that you are planting seeds that are not growing robustly because something is needed to nourish either the plants you know or the earth so that it can nourish the plants Um, perhaps uh, some, there's something relative to your gifts where you would ask, so what is the sun? 
Maybe it needs more water. You know, there's something about the, the complement of nourishment, sun, water, and the things that come together to allow a plant to grow. And you can use that metaphor to craft your questions about your gifts. You know, if your gifts are the plant, then how would you ask the question? You may have too much sun. You may have too much water. You may have too much clay in the soil like we have here, whatever. So there is always the possibility that nothing is happening because your gifts have been placed in your shadow. Because you learned your gifts were not safe, that you were not safe being who you truly are in the world. And that is not an uncommon place for uh, contemporary people to find themselves. Nonetheless, you need to take responsibility for the powers you brought into this life. And Kai Armand, who posted this, who is Conjure in the City, by the way, if you want to check him out, Conjure in the City, said that that statement, you need to take responsibility for the powers you brought into this life, was the most important thing I was told in 2013, possibly in my entire life thus far. This far. I understand it in new ways nearly every week. I think it's an important suggestion for everyone. And I know it's important for me, and I have gratitude for him posting it again. We need to take responsibility for the powers we brought into this life. So what if your gifts or the aspects of yourself who know your gifts have been trapped in the shadow by past decisions? So this is a piece. There's a lot of ways to approach that shamanically. But uh, this is a piece that my student community is working on right now, which is how do you get something of value out of the shadow once you've unfortunately placed it there? So the first thing that they did was discern what the shadow pattern is. Now that is infinitely easier if you have a cosmology because a cosmology defines what are the patterns. And then the patterns find themselves in shadow. So one of the patterns of health is the child. And the child in shadow is the wounded child. Okay. So first you discern what are the patterns at play? What are the shadow patterns at play? This is what we're doing in the community. So that's been defined. And then each individual person journeys with their helping spirits to understand what their personal version is of that pattern. How do I manifest the pattern of whatever with the wounded child? That's a really big question though. So anyway, thankfully we're not dealing with that one this time. But anyway, so the first is what is your personal version of that shadow pattern? How do you do it? How many different ways do you do it? And then once you've discerned that, a next question you can ask is, given that pattern, how does that serve me? Because it's very important to understand that we create shadow patterns to avoid uh, our fear, our fear of death, uh, fear of annihilation, fear of abandonment, fear of banishment, and fear of not being loved, which really boils down to a fear of death. But anyway, we, we make these rash choices that commit some of the best aspects of ourself into shadow um, because we're afraid, right? And so, in other words, the, the pattern then that emerges, the shadow pattern that emerges then is serving us. So, for example, um, a pattern of inaction which appears uh, to keep me safe from maybe it keeps me safe from risking my true visions 
right? Or committing to believe in an old story of patriarchy makes me feel safe in the notion that the father will take care of everything for me. And so the important thing is to discern not only your version of the shadow pattern, but how it's serving you in your own inner story world, right? And then once you've determined that, the third journey work is this. How is that service stunting some aspect of my authenticity or stunting some gift, right? And so in other words, um, my true dreams maybe are stunted by not risking living them or uh, my true dreams are a fantasy because I've not risked living them enough to realize that. So then what we need to do once we figure all that out is so now we're understanding the authenticity or the gifts, the passions that are being held back, that are being stunted, the growth of which are being stunted by the service we think we're doing to ourselves through these shadow patterns. And so this is a way, if you find that the part of yourself that's carrying your gifts is lost in the shadow, this is a way to get it out. To understand these things and begin to take direct action towards the expression of the very authenticity or the very gifts that are stunted. Because it is our responsibility to bring these gifts to the world. We didn't come here with these gifts for no reason. We came here because the world called to us to be here. We are all here as a blessing. As a potential blessing or answer to a prayer. That this is the time that we have chosen to be in. Not for ourselves, but for the gifts that we came here with. And the time needs our gifts. And we need them as well because in living those gifts, we open up to the gifts that are here for us. And in bringing those gifts to the world, our soul evolves and moves in the great trajectory of its life. And we give what the world didn't yet know it needed. We start to give what is needed for those who are coming. And we, when we begin to give for those who are coming, we are truly living into the song that the big song is singing, the song that is singing us into existence. So it is very, very important that we take responsibility for the powers and the gifts that we brought into this lifetime. It is truly the only reason that we are here. So I give thanks to the ancestral spirits for gathering around us here today. Thanks to the earth below, the sky above, and to the heart that unites us all. Next week, our guest is going to be Charles Eisenstein. Finally, I got Charles to come and be on the show. I've only been trying for two years. It's fabulous. So Charles is a genre-defying social philosopher and author of a book, Sacred Economics um, and The Ascent of Humanity. So he joins us to discuss his new book, which I'm really excited to discuss, The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know is Possible. And we will, of course, since it's this show, we will focus on how we actually make that beautiful world real. So thank you all for listening today. And remember, 
it is your response. You must take responsibility for the powers that you bring into this life.